All right, here we go. Cool. Episode number three. Woo! Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Kyle, don't don't do that. That's too loud. What? The, the, woo! The woo's too loud. You're pe- the, you're peaking. I'm peaking. I'm not peaking anymore. Now I have to restart. I'm like, wow. All right, welcome back, everybody. I was instructed not to woo, so um, yay! <laughs> you can woo. No, I can't. Softer. Woo. No. Okay. Woo. That's. That's okay. Oh, that's okay? Yeah, the computer says okay. that's fine. Well, welcome back to History Recorded Hollywood, everybody. Woo! 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 All right. Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a great start tonight, guys. <laughs> so uh, so tonight's a pretty pivotal night. Um, Is it? I'm going to be a father within the next 24 to 48 hours. Um, 24 to 72 hours. 72 hours, somewhere around there. He's we'll just see. in denial about the 72 part. <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> I mean, by the time this is released, uh, all of that will have already passed. Oh, yeah. My son will be here. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'll be more sleep deprived than I am now. But that's okay. <laughs> Which is hard to do. Um, We'll find a way. Uh, But anyway, so I'm going to try to stay focused tonight. Mm-hmm. But if I seem even more ADD-like than normal, there's a reason. You know, if we just started this three months ago, we could have named this podcast Two Idiots and a Pregnant Woman, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it would only be three episodes in. Oh yeah, true. And true. then it's going to be two idiots, a baby, and a not <laughs> no longer pregnant woman. <laughs> two idiots and a baby. I love it. That's what. That's a that's a movie from the eighties, something that's like two, that. Two men, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's not the movie we're talking about today. No, but the movie we're talking about today is from the eighties. Yeah, it is. Nineteen eighty nine's a very glory. good year. Glory. I said we're, we're, I'm going to be a little off topic, so you're going to have to help me. Reel me in, all right? Okay. All right. Well, you know I'm bad at fishing, so we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Neither of us are very good at that. Yeah, true. All right. So, 1989's Glory, winner of three Oscars, including, most notably, Denzel Washington's win for Best Supporting Actor. Dude, he brought it. Uh, is there any other reason to watch this movie? Wow. Yes, there is. But wow. that is that is the one that is the one reason <laughs> that wow. I remember. So I watched this in high school in uh, history something. And did not like it, right? And I thought it was okay. I wasn't a huge fan. But the only thing I remember is Denzel Washington's performance. Yeah. Uh, Specifically the scene whenever he runs away and gets captured and is flogged. Yeah, the single tear. The single tear. The single man tear. You can feel it. Oh, yeah. You can feel it. It, it, that's That's a powerful scene. Yeah, that scene and the very end is like the only thing I remembered from this movie at all. Yeah. Um. Not that the rest of it's not memorable, but I mean, <laughs> it still it was memorable. It just wasn't it wasn't memorable enough, I guess. Yeah, I th- I think that it's it's important to note that this movie um is the most accurate of the three that we've done so far. So far, and so because of that, it doesn't fluff itself up like Braveheart or like Gladiator does. Like it's very much just like this is more or less what happened to these soldiers. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to it. All right. All right. So we are really, you know, I thought we were talking about Denzel's performance before we even got to any of the other characters or, or actors. And I thought it was interesting that this movie is not about Denzel or, or even the, the, the 54th. It's really, it's about, well, it starts out being about Robert Gould Shaw. Yeah. And was played by Matthew, played by Matthew Broderick. Yes. Very well. Ferris Bueller took a day off and enlisted in the army. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's uh, we start off with um, some, you know, a little title title card, and then we mm-hmm. go into a little description, giving us some setting, 
Um, Robert Dual Shaw. Uh, also, Robert Shaw is the name of um, the actor from Jaws. Fun, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. He played Quinn. Yeah. If you're going to look this guy up, you got to type Robert Gould. Gould. Otherwise, Gould? you're going to. Yeah, Gould. Gould. Yeah, G O U L D. Gould. Yeah. Could, but with a G. Because <laughs> the man was a straight G. <laughs> That's right. He uh, could have survived the war, but OG, he didn't. OG, he did not. What? Spoiler. They haven't gotten Spoiler. that far yet. It's history. You get, what? It's like uh, watching The Crown. Just Wikipedia it. <laughs> I can't. I tried. Never, <laughs> I fall asleep every time. Spoilers for accurate movies. You're, it's like Oppenheimer. Like we all know they made the bomb. Did they make the bomb? Yes. I haven't seen it yet. Shot, I know, well, I'm spoiler alert. I have seen it. They made, they made a bomb. Can you imagine a movie where they didn't make a bomb? Oh my God. Yeah, I yeah. can. Um, it's called We All Speak Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving on. Uh, so he's the son of a wealthy. Boston ab- abolitionist. Yes, how's it out? 23. <laughs> <laughs> I can read. <laughs> we think. Uh, he was 23 when he enlisted to fight in the war between the states. Uh, letters regarding the Army of the Potomac? Potomac? Potomac, yeah. Potomac. Potomac. It's uh, the river outside of Washington, D.C. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I was really confused because they just dropped that and I was like, yeah, what so um, it's the Union Army usually named their armies after like rivers, um, and the Confederate Army usually named their armies after states. So um, the Union Army is like the Army of the Ohio, or the Army of the Cumberland, or the Army which of is the also Potomac. a state, Ohio. Yeah, it is, but the Ohio <laughs> River, and then the Confederate Army would be like the Army of Tennessee or the Army of Northern Virginia. Nice, just fun little history fact. The, the, yeah. the Army of Florida. Yeah, it's actually the same way it's they just named. Gators. Ironically, it's the same way they name battle. So if the Union wins a battle, it's usually, with the exception of like Gettysburg, if there's a body of water near it and the Union wins, they name the battle after that body of water. Hmm. So Antietam, Antietam Creek. Interesting. Yeah, but if the South wins, they name it after the town. So the Battle of Chancellorsville, the South wins, they name it Chancellorsville. So we start out at Antietam, yeah. essentially. Um, uh, and I thought it was interesting. So basically, the... The movie is taken from... Alexa found it on the web. That's I don't nice. know what it found on the web. Thank but you, Alexa. It. Alexa, leave me alone. You are not our third co-host. No. No. She's trying. That would be... Uh, the pregnant woman. The pregnant woman <laughs> who's in the corner doesn't say anything. She snickers at us and tries not to fall asleep while she's listening That's to this. That's fair enough. All right. Um... Okay, what was I saying? Okay, so they are. It's so him. he says, and he says in like one one of the first, I guess his first letters to his family, mm-hmm. sending them back home. He says they are collecting such a force here that an attack would be insane. Yes. Now I had heard kind of, um, I don't know if you would call it like little folk tales or myths or whatever you call it, but like, uh, people didn't really think the Civil War was going to turn into. Much of anything. No. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. It's going to be, we're going to get a picnic. We're going to see the formations. And then it's like, oh, holy crap. Everyone is exploding and dying. Yeah. So um, the Civil War starts out uh, with both sides thinking that they, that it's not going to be a real war, um, that it's just going to be a battle or maybe two, and they're going to beat the crap out of each other. And then the Union knows that they have superior numbers and superior industry. So they assume that they'll just bring a better army. And win, but the South knows that most of the competent generals um, at that time, and also from today, were from the South because it just the South has a deeper military tradition usually in American history than the North. So they were like, we have the leaders, and we we are fighting to defend what we perceive as our rights. So we're in the right, so we'll fight harder and we'll win. And mm-hmm. as we all know, it ended up being four years and like 
the newest estimates are like 850,000 Americans dead. And mm. yeah, it's bad. America's bloodiest war. Yeah. Mostly uh, because we were killing each other. So it's really hard for the war where you kill each other to not be your bloodiest war. Right. <laughs> All right. So we start at Antietam. Um, he's not, he's not in charge of anything at this point, really. He's, no. Uh, do we know what like what rank he was? Not in the movie, but before. he's a he's a captain at okay. Antietam. So the cool thing about Robert Shaw is you could buy your commission back then. Hmm. So you could just bankroll yourself into an officer position. That seems like it could have a lot of downsides. It does. Why do you think the Union gets curb stomped for the first two years of the war? Because it's just wealthy people buying. Look at me. I'm a general. Yeah. But Robert Shaw comes from a wealthy family, but he enlists as a private. So Gotcha. And he enlists in 1861. I believe. So by the time of Antietam, which is 1860, late 1862, he has moved up the ranks to a captain. So he's a competent soldier, if nothing else, in real life and in this movie. Like he's leading men, not many men, but he's leading men into battle. And as far as his quote about the size of the army, um, the Army of the Potomac at one point was 150,000 men strong. Hmm. which is crazy because that's like modern numbers of men for right. army. Um, and at the Battle of Antietam, 87,000 of them were involved. Sheesh. To put that into perspective... Um, it's like a Taylor Swift concert. Yeah, the, Ameri- the Continental Army in the American Revolution was only ever like 15,000 people strong. It's a and lot of Swifties. The British Army that took New York in the American Revolution was like 25,000. All so right. this is a, for the time period, this is a big-ass army. Big-ass army. That McClellan, the general, does nothing with. But nice. that's a lesson for another time. <laughs> All right. So, essentially, they're just lining up for slaughter, man. They're just, oh, yeah. they are, they're, we're going to make our formations, we're going to walk in a line, and we are all going to get blown to shit. Oh, like, they are just. bad. Dude, that guy gets his head blown off. Oh, my gosh, man. And there's the trees so are falling many, down. There's so many parts of this movie. Like, you just see, it's not even, like, the main focus. It's, like, in the background. You just see a body fly like 15 yeah. feet into the air. For a movie that is like long before modern CGI, the special effects are kind of crazy. Like, they... oh yeah, it's definitely not CGI. It's, it's all practical. Yeah. It has to be practical. Oh, yeah. Um, for 89, you could definitely tell. But they yeah. are, they're blowing up trees and there are craters in the ground yeah. and guys are getting yeeted like ragdolls all over the place. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So um, Shaw ends up surviving essentially by taking cover behind dead bodies. Yeah. Um, but what I thought, what I found interesting was before the dust has even settled, mm-hmm. they like they're coming by, they're walking over the bodies and everything, and then he stands up and he walks over the hill, and like over the hill, there's another battle taking yeah. place, like it's just another one. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just wild to me. Yeah, I mean it's it's eighty seven, almost ninety thousand men on the uh, Union side, and then like. 40,000 on the Confederate side. So that, I mean, Antietam is miles long just mm-hmm. because it takes miles to line that many people up shoulder to shoulder. And then we get to afterwards, he's got this little scratch on his neck. And, yeah, he has but, like a shrapnel wound on his neck. But we see, uh, but we see, you know, in a, in a nursing tent or a medical tent and they are doing amputations. Yeah. Passing them out like ice cream on summer, man. Yep. And it's gruesome, and the guy screaming the whole time. And it's funny because the the it is funny. The well, it's it's not funny. The, the guy getting that his leg off is very not funny. But it's interesting because the the nurse or the orderly working on Shaw and fixing his neck wound is telling him about how they won, they won the yeah. battle. But the people he was with did not. His regiment or unit or whoever he was with got you got the right, son. Shit murdered out of them yeah. in the battle. So he gets back. And everybody in his area is dead. 
and the guy's like, oh, we won. <laughs> by the just way, by the way. Just by the way, we won. <laughs> Not that you really helped, but... Yeah, like, you, you guys didn't, but, like, we, as a group, we won. Okay. So, we get to this first part. It's a little... It's just a little excerpt, um, <laughs> and I don't know exactly who's saying it, so... If before, miss- we, before we move on, I just oh, want to throw in a fun history fact. So, Antietam is the bloodiest day in American history. Dang. More because they're killing... Like, it's Americans killing Americans, but more Americans died at Antietam in one day than in any other war. So like World War Two, World War One, doesn't matter. Wow. Because it's like it's like twenty five thousand people dead. In Holy one crap. Day. Yeah. In Using muskets day. and cannons. Yeah. One shot at a time. Yep. Oh. Yeah, there are reports that there were trees cut down by the amount of lead that was shot out of muskets. Out of muskets. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, there's 80,000 people, you know? We're well, not no, talking machine guns and Predator. We're talking muskets. Yeah. Um, cutting down trees. So, okay, not that many uh, not that many people die. It's that many people dead or wounded. But um, more like 5,000 people die. And then however many wounded die. But it's a lot. But I how, mean, many, how many die afterwards? Yeah, well, that's the, the question. Wounds, like, you, you don't know. know. But a lot of them, yeah. you know, presumably. Or they never fight again. So your army effectively lost. Unless you're Thomas. Yeah, it's, Thomas it's, takes a wound. He's like, "No, you are not kicking brutal. me there, out of here." There's twenty. There's almost twenty three thousand total casualties between both armies in an eight hour period because you can only. It's the eighteen hundreds. You fight from sunup to sundown wow. in September. Can't see at night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've got from, you know, eight in the morning probably to seven at night. So you've got eleven hours of just nonstop death. Crap. It's a thousand people. That's two thousand people an hour killed or wounded that sounds horrible yeah <laughs> uh yes it is <laughs> so moving on to something less depressing than you know that oh uh, uh, yes the bondage of african-americans during the civil war no, which, uh, well okay the <laughs> triumph of yes these soldiers who are proving that they right. are worthy of fighting well the guy so the guy reveals that lincoln because of the victory at antietam is going to sign the emancipation proclamation which is also true that is exactly what happened is Lincoln is waiting for a victory and the Union does not get one. And Antietam is a stalemate, but the Confederates retreat. So he calls it a victory. And he's like, cool, well, now I can sign this order. So nice. he does. Yeah. So uh, before, they, before they announce the 54th, which becomes the first um, like black uh, battalion. Yeah, the first fully black regiment in so, American history. Um, yeah. Frederick Douglass is at this, what, do you, what would you call this, house party? Meeting, yeah. Meeting of I think it's, a, it's the governor's mansion is where I think yeah. he's at. Yeah. So they are discussing. In Massachusetts. Right. Yeah. So they're discussing a group of black soldiers who were given pikes mm-hmm. and were corralled like cattle. And that was like some sort of battalion that was like half-ass assembled. Yeah. And then they scurry away. Uh, do, do we Do we know... Is this is this something we can find? I didn't find any specific evidence from the Civil War, um, but I do know that there's a long history of like under arming black conscripts and black volunteers, and the wondering why they won't fight. So the British in the American Revolution actually did a similar thing. They recruited a bunch of escaped and freed slaves from um, colonial like slaveholders, and then told them they would fight the rebels and gave them pikes and sent them across a bridge into musket fire. So I don't know for sure that that ever happened during the civil war, but there's a very long history um, in the United States of using like the underwhelming equipment given to African-American soldiers as reasons to why they can't fight and why Mm. they're inferior. All right. So Uh, did it, did it happen specifically in the civil war? I don't think so, but was it a good little like, taste but it did of like the, yeah like yeah. was it a good taste of the opinion of black soldiers yes yes it was 
So essentially at that same meeting, the 54th is born the 54th Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, so we are then taken to Reedville camp mm-hmm. in 1862. We're introduced to Denzel Washington's. Oh yeah. Absolutely amazing portrayal of private trip, private trip, who clearly in the same tent as private charts. <laughs> <laughs> does not so this uh, trip does not he does not fall for oh this is so progressive we are gonna make you real soldiers he's just there for the gun and the paycheck man <laughs> he he doesn't fall for it one bit and i think i think his his character you know um, first off who to blame him oh yeah I mean, being pessimistic and, and, and uh, not even pessimistic but just uh not seeing not not falling for the lies that have been given yeah. time and time before well and, and like i can't put too fine of a point on this like there are probably no white people who aren't racist in the 1800s even the ones who think slavery is bad even, even shaw the, he, yeah well i mean he shows that he's a little bit racist um but even even the ones who are abolitionists who truly believe that you should treat African Americans equally, they don't really think they're equal is the problem. Right. And like Trip is very like he's just a white guy who likes to beat on black soldiers. <laughs> so this brings to me, you know, I, his character, in my opinion, makes it where you can really look at this movie from two different perspectives mm-hmm. you can look at it as in in whole as something that was you know a, a precedent had not been done before and became more popular uh you know we'll see towards the end of the movie yeah. and this great triumph or mm-hmm. you can see it as this like token like not handout because they're going to go fight and die but like this, this like token gesture of like of, yes. look at us we're the north we and support you we we're fighting for we you we don't have organized slavery yeah right and also you're gonna do all the manual labor yeah and um we're gonna end up marching you into a fort that you cannot yeah. take yeah, so um, it's I think it's it's good that his character is kind of the foil to Morgan Freeman's character, right? So Morgan Freeman plays um this man Rollins who becomes mm-hmm. uh sergeant sergeant major John sergeant Rollins. major John Rollins, um, and he is he's not naive. So mm-hmm. the four soldiers that you focus on are Trip, so Denzel Washington's character, mm-hmm. uh, Morgan Freeman's character Rollins, mm-hmm. this escaped slave. Uh, whose last name is Sharts, and that's all we ever know is that these private charts. Um, and he's a good shot. And he is, he's kind of the, it's funny because they're all a foil of each other. So Trip is the two, almost too seasoned and too wizened. Like he's, he's too disillusioned to know what's even good for him. Um, Sharts is super naive and is like, hey, I escaped from the plantation. This is a good, they feed me. Like I'm happy and, to be here. He's completely uneducated. Yeah. And in, all, in all honesty, like not, not in a, not in a, negative connotation anyway but he is uh kind of ignorant yeah he well he is i mean he's he's he has a stutter um it's he can't read it's not implied that he's unintelligent it's just that he uneducated i think he's the newest escapee is kind Mm -hmm. of the the vibe that you get Mm -hmm. so he is he has newly freed himself from bondage and he's enlisted in this regiment to go take it back like to the south and to Mm -hmm. go and that's all well and good but he's and then Thomas 
is the well-educated um, African-American man who son is... Son of a free man. Son of a free man. So his family's been free for at least a generation, who is best friends with both Colonel Shaw and Colonel Shaw, second-in-command Major Forbes. Mm-hmm. And he truly believes that this is going to be great, that this is the stepping stone for the black like people, for that they will be able to prove themselves. And then Sergeant Rollins falls right in the middle of all of these guys. Where he's like, well, we we can like it. He it, sees it for what it is. Like, yeah, like we have an opportunity, mm-hmm. but they're still white people. Like you I know, think like, Thomas. I think he's like they're well intentioned, but they're still white people. Like and they don't understand like what we go through and what we've been through. I think Rollins is the most realistic in his perception of things, but he is also the most optimistic in his attitude. Yes. Yes. about it and thomas he's almost like he's naive of how much struggle there's going to be before mm-hmm. this is i mean this is talking about something from you know 1862 yeah, well, and it's it's still there's still a racial divide in our country today yeah. but thomas so like thomas is naive of like the life of a soldier mm-hmm. um Schartz is naive about the situation at hand I don't. I don't really think Thomas is as naive about like racism or like the the inherent racism. No, 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 in no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm but saying he's that he's naive about what goes into being a soldier. How, well, and I would say how much how much fight and how much bloodshed there has to be before yeah before his side wins. And he's the he's the educated one. He yeah. he he's the one who's he's the one who uh is you know reading um literature yeah. to the other soldiers and he and I mean think about it in our mind looking at it now it would be like well this this our side has to win our side because our side is the only one that makes logical sense but there's a lot of angry racist people standing in the way of that becoming real yeah and it's it's important to note that like the objectively the civil war is about slavery because of nothing else it's about states rights to have slavery as a legal thing Right. That being said, not everybody in the 1860s would have agreed with that statement, not even everybody in the North. So most Northerners before the Emancipation Proclamation, especially the ones who live in like Ohio, Minnesota, not the Northeast, think that it's a war against the uppity, like low-key feudalist South that think they can just disregard federal law. Um, it becomes about slavery between the Emancipation Proclamation and uh, Union soldiers invading the South and seeing the conditions mm-hmm. that slaves live in. But yeah, so um, I think that it that's not directly said in the movie, but the four characters do a really good job of kind of implying that. Like, yeah. all is not well. Like, the Union is not this giant, like, abolitionist army. Oh, no, we're the good guys. We're going to go beat up the bad guys. Yeah. There's a lot of gray. It's, it's a lot of we're the good guys because we're not the bad guys. Like, is kind of the yeah. kind of the vibe you get. Like, we're the better guys. <laughs> and I think it comes down to, I mean, look at how the North treated the 54th and yeah. what they uh you know the northern soldiers they they have that scene wherever the northern so- soldiers are uh basically adding on the 54th about you know go go to the latrine and yeah well uh, even when they even when they're mar- they're assembled and they're training like he so they they assemble the regiment um and he robert realizes he's 20 he's like 25 and he's like i am not like capable of training these men and but i need to train them because if they go to combat the the eyes of the entire nation will be on them and more Mm -hmm. importantly i don't want good men to die because i didn't train them so he hires this racist af irish sergeant who just comes in you know i i'd like to i thought there's a great scene in here um he's talking about 
with that with that sergeant. He's talking yeah. about Thomas, right. who is not a good soldier. No, for, he's not. For, like he just objectively is not. He, he a really good isn't. He just doesn't have the intensity. He doesn't, he have, doesn't any, have. He doesn't have any grit. I think like in right. tra- it, in training camp, like when they're training the regiment, like all the the other three in the tent have grit, and Thomas doesn't. So uh. So Shaw pulls him aside and says, "Ease up on him, essentially." Right. And he and then the the Irish uh, sergeant says, "You grew up together." And he goes, "Yes." And he says, "Let him grow up some more." Oh yeah. And I feel like, in a way, okay. So you at first glance, you're like, "Oh, this guy's racist. He wants to mm. beat up on the black the black soldiers." But if you take a moment, yeah, he'd be doing the same thing for white soldiers. I think it's or I th- two white soldiers. I think in a movie full of gray, Sergeant Mulcahy is like the epitome of the gray because he like very clearly enjoys it too much, right? Um, and he he uses insults that he just like you just know he wouldn't use with white soldiers, like a because he wouldn't be able to, but b because he wouldn't. Um, and it's even major Forbes, the Robert Shaw's best friend, who is a little more sympathetic and a little a little less naive, almost than Robert too is, sympathetic, but he's too sympathetic. He's like, you know, Irish people are not known for their affection yeah, no, for African Americans. Yeah, he says, you know, um, and Robert's like, I understand that, but he's training them to be good soldiers, and so right. it's that like Ro- Ro- Shaw knows that the dude's racist, but he also knows he's a good sergeant who's training good soldiers. Shaw, so I feel like just accepts it. Like Shaw stands right in between the two. Yeah, he does. He's like, we we can't baby them and we can't accommodate them, but we also can't ignore <laughs> like what we have done to their people. So he tries for, but then Shaw kind of has his slip. So we keep getting off of these tangents. So we'll get through like the training camp scene and then we'll kind of pick it apart. So the Mulcahy trains them. Thomas is not a good soldier. Trip, though he's an asshole, is a really good soldier. Mm-hmm. And he is good at fighting to the point that at one point Thomas is doing a bayonet drill and he's bad at it. And the sergeant tells him to stab him, disarms him, and smacks him across the face with the mm-hmm. butt of his musket and just knocks the dog shit out of him. And Thomas has a mental breakdown because, like, who wouldn't? I mean, you just got rickrolled by this, this and, sergeant and he, who's abusing you for three months. You think he's going to abandon the battalion. You, you think he will, um, and he doesn't. But Trip makes fun of him, and Shaw is like, Sergeant, stop that man. Um, a, because Thomas is his best friend. But B, like at this point, Trip is just not the type of guy you want in a regiment. Like, mm-hmm. he's a good soldier, but he loves to, like, just bully everybody so the sergeant pulls him aside very hard-headed yeah the sergeant pulls him aside and says all you have left to learn is when to shut your damn mouth and like throws him across the bar pretty much um so the sergeant is like i said the sergeant is clearly racist but he's not like oh man i'm not even gonna say it he he's not predatory towards the soldiers any more so than a normal sergeant would be that's yeah i think but but he's also just like he's extra like he he just he kind of is too. You just watch the movie. Watch, There's a satisfaction to yeah. it. That... He likes it too much. Like you yeah. can tell in the the actor does a great job because mm-hmm. the actor does a great job of like I'm being enough of a sergeant that you're not going to stop me, but I'm going to push the absolute boundary of how much I can abuse these <laughs> these men because I like it because I want to. Um. So there's there's that. There is this thing where. There's a requisition order for shoes and guns and uniforms, and they it's are in denied. training camp for months and months and months, and they never get it. And the quartermaster is like, "Well, you know, we just we just don't have enough supplies." And right? but he offers him jam. Yeah, but he but offers we him do all have, this, like frivolous. We shit, have some right? blueberry jam. Yeah. The way he says it, like, "Oh, it's just it was just so delicious." Yeah, this just, blueberry jam. Just picture like the smarmiest, greasiest, like corrupt businessman, and that is the quartermaster. Like, imagine you, you just see him, and you're like, "This guy's on the take." Right? Imagine the man that you don't want to see alone at a park. Yeah, that's him. 
Yeah, pretty much. Um, you don't want to see him. Like, no offense to that actor. You don't want. Well, he's the loan officer that you walk into the bank and you're like, I don't want to get my money. Nah, nope, nope. Like, no, I'll go to another bank. Uh, so Shah um, finally grows up. Like, honestly, most of training camp is Robert, Colonel Shaw kind of sticking his head in the mud and being like, if I just don't rock the boat, this will this will be fine. Like, right. we'll get this figured out. And he finally realizes that he can't do that he because gets angry. he's the colonel of a black regiment in a racist ass army. <laughs> and so he's, he literally brings like six soldiers with him and mafiosos this guy into providing art shoes and guns and uniforms, and uniforms for his men. And he yeah. basically tells him that, do you know who I am? Like my father's best friends with the governor and I'm a colonel, you piece of shit. I outrank you and I will go to the war department. He has to, he has to do it twice. <laughs> he does. He does it with the, with the, 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 the quartermaster. Yeah. And uh, then he has to do it way later in the movie. And then he has to do it later with to a get, general <laughs> to, to let them actually fight. But so he does that and he gets them the, the shoes and the supplies and they train up and they march really well. Like they're clearly, they become a very, very organized unit. And then they, although before we, before we ship them south, um, before they go south, it's important to note that like Colonel Shaw grows up during training because mm-hmm. he tries to be the professional soldier, but then he goes too far. And his friend, there's an excellent scene where Shaw has become pretty aloof, and he's like, "Well, the sergeant has to abuse them because they have to be good soldiers, and they're not good soldiers. And my mm-hmm. best friend is a really bad soldier, so he has to abuse him. And his best friend and his second in command is like." I understand that, but you are becoming, you are treating them like they're your slaves. Right. Like, you need to process that you are being a racist jackass without even meaning to. Like, you're not trying to be, but you are the, at one point, Shaw gives him an order, and he walks away, and he goes, yes, Massa, of course, Massa, you Uh, know everything, and we're ignorant little children. Yeah. And he tells him to stand at attention, and he does, and you're like, oh, somebody, there's going to be a fight. (laughs) But it kind of slaps him back into reality. And to top that all off, Trip. You think Trip deserts the regiment briefly, and he comes back. Turns out he's looking for shoes <laughs> because, <laughs> because they don't have shoes, and are... his feet are torn up. Yeah, they're because... they're a wreck. I mean, like blisters on blisters. And that's a and they kind of it's a it's a recurring theme with his character through the training segment. Um, and like that's what spurs Shaw to get the shoes, but Shaw has him whipped. So he Colonel flawed. Shaw has him flawed. They, they call it flawed. It's whipping. It's whipping. Uh, it, he has him tied to a wagon wheel. And that's when Forbes and stops. And, and Forbes s- is like, "What the hell he's are like, you? Not this way. Doing? <laughs> not this way." He goes, "You can't whip you. Not them. Like you can't whip." Them. And Shaw does it anyway. And that's and well, so, Shaw has the sergeant. Do well, it, he. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Shaw doesn't personally, but Shaw has. The, he's like, "Well, we have to have military discipline." And so he whips him, and Trip looks him in the eye the entire time. Yeah, and like you can see. Like Colonel Shaw be like, oh my god, what am I doing? Like it's 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 brilliant acting. Like they it's it's great scene design. And it's great acting, but he like like Colonel, you can see in Colonel Shaw's eye, he's like, oh my god. I think that's when he I am realizes... having a former slave whipped. Right, and then you can see his back. You can see his back. Uh, before you know the flogging begins, is yeah. that uh, I mean he's just torn and up. And the fact that he takes it, you're like, how many? Oh my god, how many times has this guy been? Because he does. Like he just yeah. leans on the wagon wheel and just gets. Well, you can whipped. see the pain. It's pride. It's. Yeah. I mean, you, his face, Denzel Washington's face, is just 100 percent pride. You can see him grimacing, like he's yeah. showing that it hurts. It's not that it, like it doesn't. No, he's not immune to it, but he's obviously like he's been whipped enough that he can just stand there and take it. Well, like, he n- not only that, he's he refuses to let right. it show. You know, to the yeah. point to where he he won't let it bother. It, it's easily like I said at the beginning. This is. This is the this is the performance that I remembered yeah, from years ago watching so it. It's the, it's really the only part that stuck with me. 
Um, it's so powerful. It's and it, it changes Shaw's character. Yeah, and then and as a result, that power and then Morgan Freeman kind of biting his ass a little bit. Uh, Rollins is he asks him, he's like, "So why did he desert? You can speak your mind." And he goes, "Shoes, sir. The men need shoes. You haven't mm-hmm. gotten them any shoes." Right. He was literally We're saying going, this out of order. This yeah. was before he went and mafioso the right. But the this is all leading up. The mafioso part is like the beginning of Shaw's redemption arc, and then he finishes it. With their they're receiving their pay um, shortly before they march south, and they were told when they enlisted that they were going to receive the standard Union Army rate of thirteen dollars, thirteen dollars a month, which is at the time some pretty thorough middle class money. Like that, it, it's probably not worth getting shot over, but it's good money. Like you're not going to turn it down. They are then told when they are standing in line to get paid that they will get ten dollars because they are a black regiment. Mm-hmm. And Trip and Rollins and Thomas start a, not a riot, but they start a protest against the wages because they're like a black soldier stops a bullet as well as a white soldier. Yep. And it starts to get a little out of hand. They get a little rowdy and Shaw uh, fires his revolver in there and he goes, if you men will not take any pay, neither will we and tears up his slip. And then yeah. that's when you can see that he, he has become invested in his man and his men have become invested in mm-hmm. him. And he, he has become, he's no longer Robert Shaw, the 25-year-old kid who got appointed as colonel. Like, he is now Colonel Shaw. Like, he is in, he is in charge. And then they go south. <laughs> so they go south. Uh, and right around that time also is when John Rollins becomes the first black sergeant major. Yep, on the boat. Is, is, that, tr- is that true? Like, I couldn't he- find, so, John, so every character um, in the regiment who isn't Shaw is made up. Um, oh, okay. They're not purely fictional like he one of his best friends was his subordinate mm-hmm. and there was a black sergeant major um two of frederick Douglass's sons actually served in that regiment in the and one of, one of them was a sergeant oh wow in it um i found the name i'll look it up when we're doing the little history thing at the end of the podcast but there was a soldier who was um elected sergeant major in that regiment and he sounds like john rollins is probably based off of him but no john rollins isn't a real kick person um, neither is Forbes, neither are any of the, the guys. They're, they're amalgamations of the real soldiers. Because gotcha. the movie's based off of Robert Shaw's letters, but past mm-hmm. that, like, you, you only know his thoughts. So yeah, But yeah, um, that was a thing. And I couldn't find record of the first, um, the, the first sergeant major um, who was black in the army, but I'm assuming it'd be the Civil War, would be my guess. Yeah. I can't promise that. There's, there, it's very possible that there was a sergeant in like the engineers or mm-hmm. a specialty group, like even in the revolution. But it was uncommon for sure because if you don't have black regiments, you're not going to have black sergeants. So e- if, even if he's not the first in real life, like it is a rare thing to happen. <laughs> um, before we move on, before they start marching, there's yeah. one. Well, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. Um, and I wasn't sure if there was any. Uh, either if this was straight from history or if this was something that was trying to add it, sure. um, there's a Confederate pl- uh, proclamation that any prisoner of war of color will be returned to slavery. And if they're in federal uniform, this is before they receive their blue uniforms, mm-hmm. uh, they'll be killed and any white commanders of black soldiers will be killed. So is there any regular, like any, um yeah facts to this is this just kind of hearsay i didn't dig get a chance to dig into that as deeply as i would like if it wasn't a if it wasn't a du jour proclamation it was a de facto thing so like i don't know if the confederate congress ever came out and was just like black soldiers get executed 
but it was it was the norm. Like you you did not expect to be taken as a prisoner of war if you were a black soldier. Okay. Um, case in point: Fort Pillow in 1864. Uh, General Bedford Forrest, who started the Klan, by the way, um, a Confederate general takes Fort Pillow in like Tennessee. Fort Pillow. Fort Pillow. Yeah. It's, it's important soft. because he takes it. It's manned primarily by African American soldiers, and mm. he kills all of them. What an he, ass! He and his men—they surrender the fort. He kills them, and he kills the white officers that try to stop him. Okay. So, like I said, I—I'll look it up while we're doing the podcast because it's very—it's possible that it's a real thing. But even if they didn't explicitly say it, it was expected. Okay. All right. So then we uh, we move south. All right. So they finally get to what? Well, they think they're going to get some to get to fight and get some action and you know all this preparation all this training has finally led to this moment and it's something that uh all the soldiers of the 54th and shaw are very much pushing for oh it was a real thing may 1st 1863 a joint resolution adopted by the confederate congress and signed by davis adjusted this policy and declared that all and i'm just going to warn you outdated and um inappropriate language coming negroes or mulattoes slave or free taken in arms should be turned over to the authorities in the state in which they were captured and that their officers would be, and it goes on and on. But yeah, um, so so it was real. It was real. Holy crap! That was a declaration. So that sends that sends you know a mess. Not, it, I think it, what it what it does in the film in here is he he says if you want to turn around and leave, you can. Yeah, like anyone uh, who wants we, to leave, we will write you like discharge papers. It's yes. Okay. So then he wakes up the next morning and he's like, "How many do we have left?" And, and Forbes says, "All of them." And it just really brings, you know, this is, this is win or die. And this it's, is, it's, it's funny because that declaration begins the, the process of uniting Forbes and his officers with his men, um, for, not, not Forbes, Shaw and Forbes and their officers with their men, because the officers will be executed too. Like that's the important yeah. point of the declaration is if you're, if you're leading black troops, we consider you to be a black troop and we will kill you on sight. So they finally are, they're moving, they're moving mm -hmm. down. They're, they're being, they're taking boats south. Uh, they end up in South Carolina. South Carolina, 1863. Yep. The 54th March to the coast of Georgia. Yep. And the, I guess, battalion that they're also marching yeah. with uh, also has black soldiers, but they're not the it's, same. Well, it's a, it's a contraband battalion. Okay. In the movie, it's not. In real life, it's, it's pretty similar to the 54th. So the 54th wasn't the only one it was just the most famous and gotcha. I, I think think it was the first to be fully like authorized and ready but basically the emancipation proclamation comes out and there's a handful of commanders across the union army they're like oh mm. cool okay time to arm the black people like you know Makes why sense. not let them fight it's it's a right. war against the slave empire like yeah so um but in the movie yeah it's a it's a conscript regiment so it's Slaves that were freed by the invasion of the Union Army mm -hmm. who have been armed and not uh, very clearly not trained um, and kind of just assembled into this mob militia of armed, angry former slaves that are commanded by this crazy dude <laughs> who admits to being a former slave owner. Yep. Not a good look, bro. Yeah. Well, his family, at least. Like when he was growing up, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I grew up. Yeah, he, yeah he's from he Kansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so it's it's kind of a it's funny. It's a throwaway line to people who don't study the Civil War, but he's introduced to this dude who um a looks crazy. Like he looks like he stuck his finger in an electrical socket, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, his name I'll look up his name, but he he's also a colonel, and he is in control of this contraband regiment, and he um is from Kansas, and he's he is a Jayhawker from Kansas. So can mm -hmm. the Civil War. 
arguably starts in Kansas almost 10 years before it starts in the U.S. Like 1850 onward, Kansans and Missourians are just killing the crap out of each other along the Kansas-Missouri border because Missouri tried to infiltrate the Kansas elections and make it a slave state. And they did up until somebody called bullshit and was like, we need a new election because more people voted than the population of Kansas. Ouch. So they stop it. They're a free state. They're killing each other left and right. And it's important, like, if you know history, that is like, oh, this guy whacked out because if he's a a Jayhawker is the Union version of a bushwhack. Right. So they're guerrilla fighters who murder each other (laughs) in the woods and in their homes. So the dude is whack um, is kind of the message that Shaw gets meeting him. And he is very whack, as it turns out. Yeah, so they, they come to a town where they ransack and kill civilians. Yeah. Um, all the soldiers are already gone. There's no battle taking place. It Montgomery. Is... Uh, Colonel James Montgomery. is the James guy. Montgomery. He's a real person, by the way. And he is a Jayhawker from Kansas who did lead his regiment in Jayhawker guerrilla warfare in so did th- so this did happen because that's one of the questions. Yeah, no, that it's know. it is a documented incident where Shaw tried to get the guy court-martialed. Okay, yeah, is that he burned a town that had nobody in it and showed no resistance for no other reason than to just punish the South for being the South, just for shits and grins. Yep, that's horrible. Okay, well, I was that I was interested if that was yeah. Uh, and the only difference really is that, as far as I can tell, his regiment was like a legitimate. I mean, it was made up of freed slaves, like immediately right. freed slaves. Um, but it was, as far as I can tell, like a trained armed like a real regiment so we're getting we're getting towards the end here uh the 54th finally gets their first real fight oh yeah um only because they, they put them on manual labor and that's that yes. scene you were talking about earlier where the white soldiers talk crap to the 54th right um and i mean so there's a scene shortly after the village burning um where shaw kind of protested so his men get put on manual labor and they're unloading the, the cargo ships and they're building the, the encampment and these white soldiers who just look like absolute hell. Like Well, march, they look like they just came back yeah, from hell. March march past them. And, and Tripp's like, you're going the wrong in, way! I was going to say, in the white soldiers' marginal defense, um, Tripp decides to be an asshole. And it's like, you're going the As wrong Trip way. Does. The fight's up there. And the guy's like, yeah, I know. We just All you got to do it. is send us in. Yeah, and Tripp's like, well. And he goes, because he, I mean, I... <laughs> It's one of those awful arguments where you hate to say it because of the situation, but you kind of are on the white soldier's side until you aren't, sort of, until they become racist, basically. Right, yeah, because they are coming back from getting their asses like, kicked in a battle, yeah. and Trip's like, well, Trip's why did you lose? Shit. And he's like, why'd you lose? <laughs> and he's like, well, because we just did, like, people died. And Trip's like, well, if you'd send us, and one guy goes, my guy, there are men fighting and dying back there. And the yeah. guy's like, well, it would only be the, the Confederates dying if you sent us. And that's when the yeah. white guys decide to get real racist. They real did, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's definitely a divide. And then that same character, I don't know who he is, but that same yeah. guy who says some not so PC things mm-hmm. to him uh, later on encourages them whenever yeah. they end up marching um, on Fort Widener. Yeah. So Rollins comes up and is like, what the hell? Like, why, yeah. why are we fighting? And the white guy says something incredibly racist. And he goes, you're looking at a higher rank corporal move along. Yeah. And then he says something even more racist yeah. to him about him being a sergeant. And right as the 54th is probably about to just unleash an unholy can of pass mm-hmm. on these guys. Um, Forbes, the second man comes up and he's like, I want your name soldier. I'm putting you up on charges. And yeah. Rollins in the biggest man move a big man move says there's no need for that. These guys are just exhausted. Just lets them go. Let them go. Yeah. And it it's Rollins' constant thing is do not be part of the problem, be part of the solution. Right. And Rollins is very aware the trip picked that fight. He's and very he's much like, uh well that and he's also a turn the other cheek. Show them because yeah. it it, pro- it proves to him that 
oh, I'm the problem. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's when he has like, his showdown. So there's the showdown bubbling between Trip and Rollins the whole movie. Mm-hmm. is Because Rollins is a sergeant. He's a very authoritative guy. Um, you just sense that, like, the man... The man can throw down if he needs to through the whole movie, but he doesn't. He doesn't like to. Right. And Trip finally calls him an Uncle Tom, um, which is an awful freaking thing to call somebody right. in that any at any time context, right. but especially then because it basically means that. Well, no, yeah, he does, and then he calls him the white man's dog. So mm-hmm. he just and some other very racist things that I, as a white guy, am not going to say on this podcast. Nah. Um, but you can imagine. <laughs> he, Go watch the movie. Go watch the movie. You'll find out. And uh, Rollins slaps the crap yep. out of him and just basically tells him that he is the only piece of trash in the regiment and he needs to get his shit together because he can pick his path and like he's not picking the right he one. He essentially just tells him that he's, he's And he full reminds of them anger. all that no matter how racist the white soldiers are, um, Oh, it's he tells him, he goes, you're so full of hate because you've been chased by dogs and whipped. And mm-hmm. he goes, that may not be living, but it sure as hell isn't dying. And dying's mm-hmm. all that these white boys have been doing for the last two years. And he goes, dying for you, fool. Yeah. So he just, because um, Rollins is actually the gravedigger who um, finds Colonel Shaw at the very beginning of the movie in mm-hmm. Antietam. And so he has seen it, and he's aware that the white guys are not actually fighting for, like, in their personal selves, they're not fighting for African Americans. But he's also like, these white guys who do not like you are getting shot to hell more or less because of slavery. Mm-hmm. And like you owe them at least an iota of respect for that. Like mm-hmm. if nothing else, don't pick a fight with them when they march by is kind of the message. <laughs> like why, why are you picking a fight with everybody trip? I mean, and I really feel like there's, there's not, there's not one side completely in the wrong, not one side completely in yeah. the right here because it is trip has every right to be angry. Oh yeah, of course he does. You know? I mean, and he has, ev- I mean, and he has every right to resent the white soldiers mm-hmm. and the way they treat him. But then on the flip side, you know, you're, you're shit talking guys who've just gotten the crap shot out of them for the last hour. But then yeah. on the flip side, you're being a racist piece of crap for absolutely you know, yeah. no reason. You know, like, like I said, nobody's right. It's an nobody, argument where you're just like, Oh my God, why nobody's is, this, 100% why, why is right. this argument happening? <laughs> yeah. It's just not good. It's not a good situation, but they're angry. They're ready to fight and they're not being allowed to fight. Yeah. So they finally get, a battle. Yes, they do. So because Shaw goes all mafioso again, again uh, yeah. for the second time. And he, uh, he shows up to the general's office and he goes, why won't you let my men fight? And he's like, well, you're too important for my operations here. And he's like, ah, yes, your operations of burning down innocent people and houses and smuggling cotton. Smuggling things and in. taking the money Sending out. back uh, basically treasures that they find <laughs> along the way. He, man, it's like a lesson in being the godfather because he just reclines in this guy's office chair and is like, well... I mean, I'll have no choice but to report it to the War Department. Like, so what you say? Out of my hands. You said that guy's name, uh, James Montgomery. Yeah, is just sitting there playing playing the it? harpsichord, <laughs> which is just this old twangy piano. The most, the most non-threatening the instrument dude. from well, the. Well, he mo- wore a the, straw hat, like a straw gardening hat, from the craziest, <laughs> most racist mark. man in the Union Army. Oh yeah, never forget that this guy uh, said that you have to sw- you have to wipe away the Confederacy in a sea of blood, like the Jews of old. Yeah. So not only is he crazy, but he's also anti-Semitic. So that's fun. Well, I mean, I feel like at that point, that's not really a big surprise. No, it's not a big surprise, but like it just adds to just how awful this guy he's is a from terrible our modern person. eyes. You're like, oh my God. But he's sitting there with his god-awful hairline, just playing <laughs> this he does. stupid <laughs> instrument that, that sounds guy. That dude. That dude's going to be bald by 40 if he makes it that long. I don't like, think he did. I don't, Maybe. I, uh, I don't know. He died in 1871. That's all I know. That's what I got. 
All right. But yeah, so they, they get their fight because Robert Shaw is, is like very much in control now. Like he's, right. he's done. He's done. He's screwed around. Yeah. He's like, I, I don't, I'm done with all of you. All you corrupt racist assholes. Just put, put us on the front line. It'll be better there. <laughs> so what is, do we know what this fight is? Yeah, it's actually the Battle of Grimble's Landing. Grimble's Landing. Yeah. So essentially in the movie, it is in a foggy forest. Yeah, it's on an island outside of South Carolina. So that's rad. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, so anyways, the fight happens. The there's some rebels running or riding horses at them, mm-hmm. and you know, let not that rebel yell, and they get shot. And the 54th is like, "Let's go, we won the battle." And then here come the and infantry, then, <laughs> and then the line of Confederate, Confederate soldiers yeah. just walks in slowly. Oh, it's so it's such and a good, it's, it's like well oh directed. So I don't know if maybe maybe when I maybe I remember parts of it like without knowing that i remember parts of it right but when they were then when they shot all the guys on horses oh, yeah. and they're sitting there they're sitting there celebrating i was like please for the love of god reload yeah like, reload. reload good what god you know, reload like reload and then they, they finally show up and they're like oh we have to reload i'm like damn it <laughs> yep and then when you're watching like when you see the line of the soldiers you realize that not all and they don't say this but you kind of like process that not all the 54th is there like it looks like it's kind of like half of them you know when you see mm-hmm. the when you see the battle line mm-hmm. and then this very very large line of uh confederate infantry walk out of the mist they look like they're outnumbered like for silently sure. yeah <laughs> it is yeah. terrifying it really is <laughs> no, i thought it was interesting uh i don't know where we are exactly and who's winning who's losing but right the the confederate soldiers don't look very well dressed they're not all in red uniform no they kind of look like they've been sleeping in the woods for a month at this point um so the whole movie um the movie takes place from 1862 to 1863 Mm -hmm. uh the 54th in real life is 1863 through the rest of the war but Mm -hmm. the whole movie battle wise takes place in the middle of 1863 in july um and at this point it's a mixed bag so there's this misconception in social memory that the Confederacy is winning the Civil War mm-hmm. before Gettysburg, and that's not true. The Union is just not winning. It's like one it's successful a, it's a march um, to Gettysburg, but it's not the entire no, war. No, so at this point, um, here's the, the situation at hand, is that New Orleans has fallen to the Union. Um, all of the major cities except for Vicksburg, Mississippi, along the, along the Mississippi River, have fallen to the Union. Mm. The outer islands of North and South Carolina have fallen to the Union. And chunks of coastal Georgia and Florida have fallen to the Union. So the Greater Confederacy is still intact, but they are by no means win- Nobody's winning, is really my point. Um, it's just... It's, it's a lot of bodies. Yeah. Is the, yeah. The, the Confederacy is never legitimately winning the Civil War, but mm. they are kind of at the point where it looks like if they can kill enough Union soldiers in the next six months, they might be able to force them to back down. But on the flip side, the Union's like, well, hell, I've, I've cut you in half except for Pittsburgh. I have your biggest city in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I am approaching. I have outer Virginia, um, outer South Carolina. So, yeah, it's a very mixed bag. But at that time, the men they'd have been facing would have just been whatever army the Confederates had staying around. So they wouldn't have been Lee's like professionals. They wouldn't right. have been um, Joe Johnston's professionals in Tennessee. Like they'd have been, they'd have been like soldiers, but they probably would have looked pretty similar to that. Honestly. So in the, um, in the movie, he casually mentions like, you have 42 casualties. Yeah. Is it roughly? That's a true statistic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yep. Um, that battle is, uh, it, it's brutal, but it's accurate. I mean, they stand and they volley each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go to hand-to-hand combat. And in reality, I I think generally you just volleyed each other till somebody backed off. 
but it, it makes for a better movie yeah. if you go hand to hand. And, and in, Trip goes hard, dude. They all go hard. <laughs> then, yeah, but Honestly. him especially, man. But Trip, well, Trip <laughs> beats a guy to death with a piece of wood. Yeah, right? he's like, I found a stick, and I'm going to but kill you with you, it. You see the training payoff because the 54th gets surprised by this Confederate right. line. The Confederates fire first, and the 54th stand there, absorb it, and just unleash this ungodly accurate volley mm-hmm. into the Confederate line. Right. And then they charge each other with bayonets, and it is brutal and awful and people are screaming and there's battle smoke everywhere and thomas and thomas gets thomas shot, shot through the shoulder and and then, and then saves trip's life which is interesting yes um with a bayonet with a bayonet the same drill he was so bad at <laughs> he traded right which I find interesting. but he trained he practiced um, rollins kicks ass sharp it's the battle is interesting because there's all these little moments during training where the soldiers have clearly improved mm-hmm. so like rollins is a pacifist Trip lets his anger, like, he wants to fight everybody. Thomas can't fight. And uh, Shartz panics under mm-hmm. pressure. He's a he's a crack shot, you see in training. But as soon as Robert Shaw, the Colonel Shaw, starts firing bullets next to his head, he panics. Right. And in the battle, they each have Rollins to, like... opens a can of whoop-ass on, like, four Confederate soldiers. Right. Trip fights to win, but keeps moving on and doesn't get caught up in the yep. fight. Thomas bayonets a guy in the back and takes a bullet to the shoulder. And mm-hmm. Shartz loads a muzzle-loading rifle as a guy with a bayonet is running at him and calmly executes him with it at the mm-hmm. last possible moment. Right. So it's this, like, redemption battle. Like, right. And Shaw kills a bunch of people. Forbes fights like a crazy son of a bitch. Like, it is... They are soldiers. Like that's, they, I mean, and that's the Hollywood side of it. That's right. the That's the foreshadowing early on, which is what you what you want in, yeah. in a, to make a movie more satisfying. Yeah. It makes people go, oh, I remember that oh, I remember earlier. That little, that you little know, thing. it's a little trick for the, the screenwriters but to yeah. put in there. But yeah, but. that battle actually happened um, on the same day they say it does in the movie. Casualties are about right. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, they okay. nailed it. So, and then immediately they were like, well, there's this fort. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's super hard to get to, mm-hmm. and it's gonna, whoever attacks it first is gonna have like severe casualties. Yeah. And Shaw's like, yep, we'll yeah, do we'll it. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> yep, we'll do it. Of course we will. I thought that was like, if I were to make my biggest complaint mm-hmm. about this movie, is that scene right there. They're yeah. just like, it just cuts to them on the beach. They're like, mm-hmm. here's the fort. You're yeah. gonna die. Yeah. And Shaw's like, okay. Like, they don't explain it well they don't at all yeah um in real life so the battle of grimble's island happens because it's a distracting action for the first attack on Mm. fort wagner um which also fails obviously because there had to be a second one but (laughs) so it's all part of the same like the campaign is to take the fort wagner and another fort the battle of grimble's island is like there is a white regiment or three attacking the attacking the fort and so the 54th and some other regiments are flanking them and get ambushed by a confederate counterattack so essentially the the last 20 30 minutes of this movie is just we're all gonna die we know it here's what we're thankful for here's the blessings yep here's what we want to say we're all family Oh, the general by the way the general that gives them the description of um the fort is a real guy who also dies in that battle oh he went with them yeah oh yeah he commanded his own battalion and was fatally wounded in the thigh by a grape shot okay so this this battle is fantastic they i mean i mean it's hard to watch because you've you've really grown with all of these characters and you're watching them get blown to bits and that's horrible well it's this it's this godforsaken fort that's built into a sand dune Mm -hmm. um just in the middle of the beach and the the union navy shells it and then they charge at it to get close enough to wait for nightfall and the to me the scariest scene in that 
is when he's like, we'll shell them to make sure they're suppressed. And as soon as the shelling stops, just hundreds of Confederate soldiers run out from, like, these bunkers that they oh, have yeah. before. And you're like, oh, no. No, they've just been hiding. Yeah, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the the 54th really doesn't stand a chance and doesn't, doesn't, shouldn't get as far as they do. No. Uh, so they probably lose half their men getting to this if large the, dune. Like they, lose, they lose a lot of men. They lose a lot of men before they even get to the dunes. They yeah. wait for the nightfall, and then they make their charge. Mm-hmm. Shaw is kind of leader of the charge and one yeah. of the first ones to go down well they finally get the the thing is they they like run across the beach right and they're being shelled and the, when the guy describes the fortifications of fort wagner he's like they have mm-hmm. one 10 inch wide like smooth bore cannon they have three 10 pounders they have like four howitzers and it's garrisoned by roughly a thousand men and you're like oh my god and we're gonna send one battalion in well they send the whole army the battalion just is leading it it has and, to be first so yeah. that's kind of the idea is that you can well, only it's a narrow send beach one, like, narrow beach you yeah. can only send one battalion at a time um so yeah it's 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 a great scene it's it's a great fight but man is oh it it's god. depressing it is, it is brutal and there's guys being just blown to hell and shot in the face and event they wind up as night comes, they are braced against the outer embankment mm-hmm. of the fort. And the the Confederates are literally just shooting them like fish in a barrel. Like, they are just leaning out the top of the fort. And just yeah, throwing... literally put it, they put a cannon, yeah. like, at the top of the dune, angle it and down. just scraping the top off, guys. Just, yeah. And they're throwing um, the Civil War version of hand grenades, those fuses that were in their hand, yeah. which existed. It looked like TNT. Yeah, well, it's just, it's literally just an iron casing filled with gunpowder and, like, shards yeah it's a pipe bomb it's an 1860s pipe bomb and you light it and you check it and they had them and they used them during sieges and they would have used them exactly like that you just wait till they're close and eat them so uh yeah so everybody dies um there's just pretty much they, they make it inside the fort like yeah. forbes and so shaw uh, like shaw grabs their pin down right and they're all starting to panic because you're pinned and you can't move backwards because there's three thousand or so well you just shot as back. you're running away and you can't move forward and so shaw grabs the flag um, and runs up with the flag carrier. The flag carrier gets shot. Shaw grabs it and yells 54th and just gets mowed down. Um, and so they all see it. And then Trip grabs the flag. The guy who explicitly mm-hmm. earlier in the movie said he would not grab the flag. Right. And he was not fighting for anybody but himself. Grabs the flag and spurs on this charge. He gets shot down yeah. as they charge. And then the rest of the regiment charges up and over the embankment and just starts going ape shit on the yeah. Confederate. It is, it's crazy. <laughs> like, and they, they make it inside and there's just, yeah. there's just too many waiting for them. Well, they, they, they do the thing where they clear the ramparts and you're like, Oh, Hey, they might actually do it. And they turn a corner and there are three cannons and about 300 Confederates waiting just in waiting. the base of the fort for him. Forbes, Forbes face in the, oh, I yeah. mean, that, oh, they like, all know they're dead. Like, it's such because yeah, like you said, you think they're from, like, you know, they, they, they say it from the very beginning. They know they're going to die, Oh yeah. but they give you hope right there at the end. They're like, Oh yeah. shit, they're inside. Well, they rally. They made and it. They, and it's that it's they're that. in. They're killing the Confederates, and the Confederates are falling back. And they're like, oh, right. yeah, here we go. And they, we go. they have the Union Army at their back, and you're like, okay, well, most of them will probably die, but the Union will take the fort. Right. And then it doesn't. And then <laughs> and then they're just like, ah, that hope, it got shot with a cannon, or by yeah. a cannon. Um, and it's then, bad. And then the cannon smoke clears, and you literally get to see Robert Shaw's body thrown into a pit. Just a bit old soldiers. trench. Yep. All the 54th yep. kind of buried together. Yep. So, um, according to the end of the, the like, kind of end credits of the movie, it talks mm-hmm. about, it says, over half died. Um, the fort was never taken, nope. which is a super, like, why I didn't need to know that. Right. That's super depressing. <laughs> that hurts my feelings. Yeah, like, like 
<clears throat> I don't feel like that was necessary to put in there. But then that Congress authorized the raising of uh, black troops throughout the Union, leading to 180,000 volunteers. That is a true number. There were um, about one out of 10 of the Union Army ended up being African-American soldiers. Wow. Now, that being said, um, I think it's a little, a, a little extra to claim that the Battle of Fort Wagner inspired, like, Congress was ready, right? Like, they were like, okay, mm -hmm. these guys are, because they're not the only regiment that right. exists at that point. They're ready. I think it helped for sure. And I, it's it, be if an nothing else, it showed that like black soldiers can fight mm -hmm. and will fight. Uh, but yeah. Oh my god, it's so br you don't really expect like a movie about the Civil War, the combat to feel as intense as like modern combat. Mm -hmm. But in that fort, it does because it is like point blank gunfire, <laughs> hand to hand fighting. It is. It is intense. It's great. It's a great scene. Uh, obviously, just heartbreaking, but also a great scene. So this, whenever this happened, and the ending of this movie always brings out the pessimistic in me, and I'm just like, did they, yeah. did they, did they send them first because they were the black soldiers? Yeah, I know uh, that in real life it was they were assigned to go first. That being that's said, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's kind of. I, I will say though that that's. It's, it's a mixed bag because on the one hand, you kind of think, oh, okay, well, if anybody's going to get shot, they're going to send the black people because they're racist. That's right? what I'm, yeah. On the flip side, though, um, if you do take the fort, do you want the black regiment to get the glory for it? But they, they knew the first battalion wouldn't I'm, take the well, fort. Well, I think that, yeah, but like if you, it, it doesn't matter the battalion that takes it. If you take the fort, it's going to be reported the 54th was the, the first. first to, uh, it's the same reason there's another battle um, in, hmm. a year later in Virginia called the Battle of the Crater. Where, long story short, the last real Confederate army is backed up around the city of Richmond, or Petersburg, uh, a suburb of Richmond. And in these crazy fortifications, and Robert E. Lee's like, I will stand here until I starve to death. So help me God, you are not going to destroy my army. And Grant, the Union general, is like, I'm just going to blow a hole in it. Like, I'll <laughs> And they do, and they train a black regiment to do it. And at the very last minute, Grant is like, this is going to work. And if it works, I don't want black soldiers on the front page. And he changes his mind and puts an untrained white regiment in there to do it. And it fails. <laughs> so that's why I don't really know, is my point. Like, that's, because there's yeah. examples of both thought mentalities. So definitely, the movie, the, the film is definitely going for this was super courageous. And this was a triumph. And this was... Something that, you know, obviously we're talking about 150 plus years later. Right, right. But you got a question like, is this something that maybe wasn't something we should be bragging about as a, as yeah. the, as for the union, for the union army to be like, oh yeah, we were super progressive. We sent right. a bunch of, <laughs> we sent a bunch of black soldiers to their death. That's not great. No, that's, it's, it, I think it's. I don't think it's something that, like, the U.S. military should be proud of, but I yeah. think it's something that, like, African-Americans and especially African-American, like, veterans and legacies mm -hmm. of those men should be very, very proud of. Because yeah. you, you were willing to go headfirst in an army that you knew did not respect you and, like, didn't want you there. And a country that, at most, was, like, passively against your existence. So, uh, to, to kind of try to bring it back to a positive note, at right. the, the, last, the last visual is Shaw and Tripp. Mm-hmm laying dead bodies laying one on top of the other in yep. the same trench and i think that's very uh symbolic of we both yeah. because earlier we we're talking about that confederate pro proclamation they knew yeah. this was win or die oh yeah it didn't they didn't win no nope. they they died they died together yep. for the same cause and that actually happened robert shaw's body was actually buried with his men mm -hmm. in a trench grave and the confederates 
admitted to it because the practice was if you're an enlisted guy, you just you get buried wherever you get buried. Mm-hmm. But if you're an officer, um, they send you home if you're a commissioned officer because it's the, the rules of war. And it's warfare is pretty classist back then. So if you're an officer, you're probably wealthy. And it's, you know, I would want my wealthy son sent back home. So I'll send mm-hmm. him. Well, they not only... They take, they strip him of his shoes and his uniform, and they throw him in this pit with all his, with all of his soldiers, and then they very proudly brag about it to the north, um, and they send his family a letter that say, "We buried your son with his worthless soldiers," basically, wow. and his family wears that like a badge of honor. I was gonna say, they're well, like, Shaw, "Damn right you did." Yeah, Shaw like, probably would have wanted... want nothing else. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So that's there's the good and the maybe the maybe the big picture. Uh, mm-hmm. was not exactly as triumphant and yep. uh, well, well uh, intentioned yeah. as they as they want to make it seem. But Shaw's heart was in the right yeah, place. Yeah, and and shortly be- the night before the battle, the soldiers are having like a revival, basically, mm-hmm. and they're they're praying to God, and they they know that like even if they're personally not going to die, that most of them are going to get shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rollins basically says, you know, if tomorrow is the day that we die. God, just tell our families that we went down standing up, and they that's do. a great line. It is a great line, and went, he does. Went and down, the soldiers up. do. Yeah, like, they all do. Yeah, it's a uh, it's brutal, and the fact that with the exception of the characters not named Robert Shaw being fictional, and a couple of like timeline fluctuations, it's mm-hmm. m- most of that happened exactly how they say it. Awesome. Um, the only the only big thing that didn't happen was that they were never deprived of supplies because they were the Massachusetts governor's personal project. Gotcha. So he wanted them to succeed. So that's the only thing in the movie that just absolutely didn't happen. And the timeline's a little weird because they're in the training camp over Christmas, but in reality, they didn't get there till like February of 1860. Yeah. But other than that, it's pretty like this is what happened to the 54th. Not Braveheart. No, it is not Braveheart. Not Braveheart. It is Braveheart. pretty much the exact opposite of Braveheart. <laughs> well, that is a great way for us to wrap this one up. Yep. Um, I really like this. Let's yeah. give it. Let's give it our ratings. Okay. Uh, I'll go. I'll go first. Yeah, give it the film rating. I have given. I have given the last two seven out of tens. Yeah, you're stingy. <laughs> you're just giving them your GPA. Like I don't know what you want. Uh, I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. I want you to picture no before you say this. I, I'm, I want you to picture Matthew Broderick's face in that trench and everything he went through to give you. The I know movie. it's okay. sad. It makes me sad. Yeah, it makes me sad. Yeah, uh. It's a powerful movie. Yes. Um. I feel like the the I'm not even com- I don't even know if I should say comparable because because Braveheart had its very emotional. Well, I mean, all the movies. Like, so did Gladiator. I mean, objectively, uh, all the movies that we have discussed are good movies. Yes. Like they uh, just without are. a doubt, without a doubt. <laughs> um, this was the first one that was not considered one of uh one of IMDb's top 100 ranked right. films of all time. Right. I think it was like a seven point something. Yeah, it's it's like dude, it's good, you know. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah, a uh, little bit of I don't know. It's eighties. It's it's a it's a late eighties movie, yeah. you know. Like it's a little clunky, but it gets the job done. I I wanted to. I was trying to think of something else I would give it. I I don't know if I want to get into decimals yet. So go for it. I'm just I'm I'm just gonna go seven, man. Oh, man. I know three sevens in oh. a row, but oh. well, historically it's a nine, right? Yeah. Like I I will confidently give. It's a nine because here's the thing. Even though the 54th wasn't deprived of supplies, I have no doubt that there were black regiments that were. Mm-hmm. Um, the pay thing ha- the pay thing was actually worse than in the movie. So in the movie, white soldiers make $13. The black soldiers mm-hmm. get paid 10 In real life, white soldiers make $13. Black soldiers get paid 7 because it's wow. 10 and then 3 subtracted for their uniforms. And white soldiers' uniforms are comped by the, by the military. 
Sons of bitches. And they fought for 18 months without receiving pay. So Colonel Shaw and his men died in Fort Wagner without a paycheck. To show you That's just how committed these guys were. not cool. It's not, it's not a good look for like the Union. Yikes. But it's a great look for them. And his successor actually was the one who got them equal pay because he literally he used the Battle of Fort Wagner. He goes, these men are fighting and dying for no money yeah. because you will not pay them equal wages. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Wait. So, 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. History. Historically, what oh, do you say for personal? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it, I think I've given like, you know what? I'm going to give it an 8.5. 8.5. Oh, he's breaking out 8. the 8.5. And 5s the reason already. I give it an 8.5 per, per personal is because it is a movie with star power that does not rely solely on its star power. It doesn't. Like, you could. Damn, does it benefit it helps, from it? But you could have cast anybody in those roles. Right. And had like a 6 out of 10 movie. <laughs> It's uh, ah man, I can't see anyone else's private well, trip. I can't either, but that's that's not my point. My point and is Rollins. I can't see yeah, anybody but other it's, than it's it's written well enough and it is directed well enough that it would be an okay movie with yeah. absolutely no one in it. Yeah. So Yeah. It's kinda like yeah. Gladiator in that way. It's the difference between Gladiator yeah. and Braveheart. Braveheart is good because the actors are really, really Braveheart good. Braveheart needed Braveheart needed the actors, Mel Gibson and the actors in, that he chose. Specifically Mel Gibson in that role. Yeah. Gladiator did not need Russell Crowe or Joaquin no. Phoenix to make it a good movie, but having them made it a really good movie, and that's how I feel about Glory, is it would have been a pretty good movie with any like decent yeah. Hollywood actor, but the fact that they brought the heat just added to it. Bring it. Bring it. Like, like, the, like the racist soldier at the end of the movie as they're marching towards Fort Wagner says, Give him hell, 54th. Give him hell, 54th. Which is such a nice little... Oh, like, man. You're like, oh, racism Damien, is over. Gave me chills. Gave <laughs> me chills. I was like, we live in a perfect world Our now. little wonderbred white hearts were like, oh, good. He learned the error of his ways. Yes, I mean, you just know no that he longer... went and like, punched a black soldier in the face later. Like, you, he, just, you just know that he did. He's right? like, well, they're gone. I can well, give him this. That's cool. I think he was like, give him hell, 54th, so I don't have to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you going first? Okay. Yeah, hey. you come back, the happier I'll be. <laughs> Well, you never know. Maybe, maybe he did learn the error of his ways. Maybe he's, I, maybe well, he dude, became a great. Statistically, he probably died of like typhus. All yeah, right, he was like, probably dead yeah. two weeks later. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, next, next episode. I don't know. What did we? What did we? Well, we talked about. We I'm, talked about I'm, doing uh doing uh doing a uh, Oppenheimer. We could do Oppenheimer. That's a modern movie. Yeah, we've been we did two thousands. 90s 80s hey it's it's not our fault that the 2010s saw a sharp decline in quality films okay like we can't we can't help that right you know yeah but uh oppenheimer yeah oppenheimer maybe, is, maybe yeah um well i guess you'll find out yeah you'll find next out episode. next week <laughs> it's we'll, we'll go i don't know oppenheimer's long and you're about to have a kid so yeah I mean, you one of, fun. That could go one or two ways. I can watch it like <laughs> I can break it up into fits. Much, much thirty like, minute, thirty minutes at a time. <laughs> much like everything else in the movie we just discussed, that could go one or two ways. <laughs> no kidding. So we'll say Oppenheimer. We will, we will like slightly commit to Oppenheimer, and I guess you'll find out next week when you tune in. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Don't go storming any sandy forts, guys. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, it doesn't work out very well. All right. Have a good Peace. one. Peace.